Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're gonna talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro. And listen, you know I love talking to writers, but behind all the writers are the backbone of everything, the readers. And I have a special reader here to talk with today. I'm so excited. So I met Jason Allen through my good friend and fellow Wicked author, Julie Henricus, also known as Julia Henry and Julianne Holmes and J.A. Henricus. Yes, we all have many names. Um, But she mentioned that he was a dear friend and that he was also her first reader, which means he reads the drafts of her books to see if they, well, are books. So the bells went off in my head and I asked her if, if she thought he would read my books before I turned them in, because who doesn't need all the opinions you can get, right? So she said she was sure he would because he totally loves books um, and to just ask him. So I did and he agreed and he's not only been my reader ever since, but now he's also become a friend. And since he's now reading for a lot of the Wicked's, he's totally one of us. So I wanted to talk to him about doing this first reading gig from a reader perspective, someone who's not writing their own books, but who reads voraciously and can totally tell a good book from a bad one, a plot hole from, you know, a seamless plot, and who's also really good at just editing in general. Um, So we had such an interesting conversation, and I'm really happy to share him with you. So Jason holds a Bachelor of Arts in Theater from the University of Southern California, and he's been performing locally in the Boston area for the past 47 years. He's been at Emerson College, which is my alma mater, for 18 years as the operations manager and assistant to the chair of performing arts. Jason's addicted to reading, a self-proclaimed book hoarder, and a proud wicked et. So let's jump right into this conversation. Hey, Jason, welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you for coming. This is so fun. 
Um, so you, you're a, an integral part of the mystery community and you're definitely an honorary member of the Wicked Authors at this point. So <laughs> I just want to go back to the beginning and hear about how you fell in love with books in the first place and reading and what that's looked like for you your, over your lifetime. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, Sundays were no TV days. Uh, so we had to find other ways to occupy ourselves. And I would prefer to stay at home and read with my mother. We had a family room sort of that we had added onto our house, which had um, a huge couch and a window seat and a coal stove. And um, my mother would spend Sundays there on the couch, curled up, listening to jazz and reading. And so I, I would make a little nest. Uh, in the crook of her legs because she would lie sideways and bend her knees and I would put my little blanket in there and plop right in and prop the book on her knees and we'd just sit and read. Uh, And that's sort of where it all started and I actually still do that. Obviously not curled up in the crook of my mother's legs because that would hurt um, (laughs) both of us. Uh, But we still have reading nights and, and start some jazz on the stereo, get a glass of wine and sit and read quietly. I love that. I love that. My mother always read to me when I was a kid, like before I could read to myself, but I always remember her reading to me. And that's just where I started to devour books. And that was it. Um, It's a whole new, I mean, it's, it's a mini vacation. Yeah. You know, you get to open up a whole new world and not have to get dressed for it. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Were you always a mystery reader or what did you like to read when you were growing up? Yeah, I actually, um, the first book I remember reading, and of course I can't remember the title and I can't find it, but it was it was the first book I bought with my own money, my paper route money. Um, there used to be this huge barn-like structure on the way to the Cape, and we would stop there on our way to vacation, and we were each allowed to get by our own book, and I found a book that had a pig on the cover with a magnifying glass and one of the deer stalker caps. And I was, all, and I love pigs. So I was all like, Oh, I'll get this. And it was, you know, a mystery with, you know, talking animals, but I loved it. Fell in love with mysteries. Um, my mom also was big into mysteries. My dad was big into thrillers. Um, so it, it sort of started with a <laughs> anthropomorphized pig is what got me on the path. I love that. <laughs> I think I remember one of my favorite first books was like Danny and the Dinosaur, which obviously wasn't a mystery, but I, the animal thing. I, I don't know. I think that's definitely it's something that's fluctuated. What you relate to. Yep. And Frog and Toad. I loved Frog and Toad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Goosebumps was were some of the first mysteries that I remember reading, the Goosebumps books. I, rem- I, I read my sister's Nancy Drew's. Yes. And now I'm actually collecting the Hardy Boys, the Mm -hmm. original 56 or 65, whatever, that were originally written. Oh, wow. um, Because I never read those as a kid. Um, I mean, they're definitely dated. (laughs) And you can get away with a lot of it now, but um, uh, I am collecting those, and it's kind of cool. And I've got all of Rex Stout, um, which is a great sort of use of my Kindle, I can collect without taking up shelf space. So I've got all of the Nero Wolf books. I've got probably three quarters of all of Agatha Christie's stuff on my Kindle. 
and then I've got all the well, most of the cozies. Nice. Most of the wicked cozies. <laughs> um, I'm I'm shy on a couple of series. I'm behind. Oh God, I'm very behind on Jesse's. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a, it's a, we write too many books for people to keep up. I mean, exactly. it's. <laughs> So you're clearly a big book collector then. Do you, are you a hoarder? Do you keep them all or do you, do you ever turn your. I got to about the age of 50 and I was like, okay, this is gonna, no more bringing them in unless I get rid of. Um, But yes, I do still, I mean, we've got bookshelves everywhere in our house, in the hallway, you know, I mean, they're everywhere, stacks on bureaus and nightstands and, I, which comes in handy because during the pandemic, couldn't get to the library. Yeah. <laughs> so I started rereading stuff that I had that I hadn't read in decades. So it was nice to sort of revisit something because it, it allows you to see it from a different perspective. Mm. Stuff that I liked when I first read it, you know, 30, 40 years ago, I reread and I was like, oh, this is not good. Or just as great as I remembered it or even better than I remembered it. Cause now I've, you know, got a little more experience behind me and a little more life. So you read it differently. Yeah. So it's not hoarding, it's collecting. <laughs> hey, I'm all about it. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Whatever works for you. There, there are things that I can definitely get behind hoarding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too. So, I mean, let's call it what it is, but so what's a what's one of those books that you went back to and found it was better than the first time? Oh, um, there's a trashy novel I read <laughs> <laughs> every summer um, called Celebrity. Mm. Um, was that Jackie and, Collins? No, no. Um, I'm sure she did write one called that, but uh, this was a. a it's not exactly. I I would consider it somewhat of a thriller, but it's. It's about three um, three guys who grew up together and then what happened with their lives after they grew up and there was some horrible thing that happened when they were younger and, you know, the secret comes back to haunt them. And they made it into a, a, a TV movie, which I saw first, and it was, like, really trashy. Um, <laughs> so it was like, I wonder if the book is that trashy. And so I went and got the book out of the library and, yep, it's trashy, but it's sort of one of those delicious trashy things. But as I, I've reread it several times over the years and it's, it's still trashy, but it's less trashy. It's sort of, now I'm looking at it as an adult and I'm sort of like, oh, I can see sort of how that happened and why you went, you know, this path that you went on and you went on that path. So that's, that's sort of one that I've sort of revisited occasionally. Edmund White wrote, a book, and it's one of his famous ones, and I'm blanking on the name now. It was a one of the first coming-of-age gay stories, and I read it when I was that age, so I was sort of going through it, and I really liked it. And I reread it again, and I, I was like, wow, I don't like this book. <laughs> <laughs> I reread it sort of at, long after the fact, and I was sort of like, it's just kind of badly written. Mm. But when I first read it and I was going through it, I was like, Oh my God, this is great. I'm seen. I'm, you know, but now that I'm an adult, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I hear you on that. All right. So that is like a perfect segue into how you became a first reader for authors and how you help us 
have our stories not be badly written. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever think this would be your second career? (laughs) Uh, No. Um, I was just helping a friend. Um, Julie, uh, I used to work with Julie, and she, we found out we had a mutual love of mysteries. Um, and she had said that she was writing one and wondered if I would read it. And I said, sure. And, um, she had asked me to read it to make sure it was a book. So that's all I, you know, I read it to see if it actually read smoothly and made sense and gave her some feedback. And, um, that sort of started to snowball and, um, everything she's written, she's asked me to give a perusal of and it's easier with cozies because you get to know the characters you get to know the people and you know the town you know the settings um so uh, if you're reading consistently uh, a series from someone at least for me it's easier to sort of be like eh, so-and-so wouldn't have said that or that's out of character for them or in the last book you had this building you know across town why is it now all of a sudden in the middle of <laughs> the village green so that's it sort of started with Julie, and then Sherry asked me to read a couple of things. I didn't realize I was your first reader. <laughs> Surprise! Joining <laughs> the bandwagon and letting me read books. I was like, cool. Um, so that's how it started. Barb had actually uh, emailed me once and was like, someone else had written a short story and wanted, you know an opinion because it had sort of a gay theme and wanted an opinion to make sure she wasn't insulting anybody and asked me if she could send it to me. I'm like, sure. So I, you know, it sort of goes from there and I'm always up for free books in any way, shape or form. So if someone wants to send me a book to read, I'll be more than happy to. I love it. We'll put your email address in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm, I'm very, I love Goodreads. I don't know if any, I mean, some people do read my reviews on Goodreads. Um, and they're not really reviews, they're my opinion. Um, well, they're reviews. Those are reviews. Know, yeah, but like, I think of a review as someone who's all like, you know, has an English degree and is talking about syntax and yada, yada, yada. Um, <laughs> I just put my opinion up, it, you know, it, it because, it, you know, if it interested me, it might interest you. If it didn't, it might not, whatever. But uh, I, I do have people who contacted me on face on Goodreads. Um, you know, I liked your reviews. I've been reading them. I've got a you know a manuscript. Would you be willing to give it a perusal? So I've gotten I've actually gotten manuscripts from people through uh, Goodreads as well. So cool. it just sort of had branched off from from there. So. So, I, all right, I want to come back to that, but I'm just, I just want to go back and give context to the listeners who may not be familiar with all the wicked authors. So, um, oh, Julie Henricus, who Jason mentioned first, um, many of you might know her. She is the executive director of Sisters in Crime National. She writes under J.A. Henricus, Julia Henry, and Julianne Holmes. She's a super talented author and a lovely person, and you're going to hear more from her on the podcast soon. But she and Jason were... Um, co-workers and friends. And that's how uh, Jason was introduced to the Wicked Authors. And so, and then Sherry Harris, who's another Wicked Author. um, She's also been using Jason as a reader. And then of course, when Julie mentioned this to me, I had to jump on the bandwagon because oftentimes I am so last minute at getting my books done that I have like 
you know, a day before I need to get them to my editor. And I'm frantically emailing Jason and saying, can you read this? And, you know, of course he's so fast. He does it in like a day, which is amazing. Um, so thank you, Jason, for that, <laughs> because <laughs> like, I just don't have time to go out and find other people because I, you know, they need more lead time than a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so your timing is actually always perfect because I'm just about to finish whatever I'm currently reading. Huh. You always inevitably email me going, can you read this? And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm out. <laughs> so perfect. Yes. So you're not a multiple book at one time kind of guy. I, I am occasionally when the book is too large for me to carry, um, which doesn't necessarily mean that I don't carry it, but my back no longer likes it. <laughs> Um, it really does not like it anymore. Um, so those I'll sort of leave at home and read at home and then I'll carry a smaller book to read on the train. Um, and when I'm out, because yep. I'm one of those annoying people who can read and comprehend and absorb reading during a commercial break of watching TV when I'm on, you know, the stepper or the exercise bike, whatever I can read anywhere. I love it. I love it. So, okay. So you started out with Julie just saying, Hey, can you tell me if this is a book? And with all your extensive knowledge of books, you were able to do that. But have you, like, as you've been doing this longer, like, are you, how do you read drafts and give feedback? I, I, I sit and just read it. Um, if anything jumps out at me, mainly I'm not, I'm not an editor by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I love you, Julie, but she is very fond of the comma. <laughs> um, and Sherry is not acquainted with the comma. <laughs> I've heard this story before. I love it. <laughs> things jump out at me. So it's like, so I will make note of those. I'll make note when, you know, words don't, when things don't make sense. Or if I know what, like with Julie, because I know her so well, I know what she's trying to say, but the way she's put it doesn't make sense. So I'll make note of that. Um, in the, if when I read it the first time, if I don't get it, or if the mystery doesn't make sense or it's too obvious, um, I make note of that. I'm assuming people are asking me to read it because they want feedback. So I'm not, I've gotten over sort of the, my initial feeling of, well, I don't want to tell a friend that it doesn't make sense or it's, I don't want to, you know, make them feel bad. I don't, you know, it's sort of momentary guilt, but I'm sort of like, well, they asked me to read it. They want my opinion. I'll give it to them. If they don't like it, they won't ask me again. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Every time I send my, send something to you, I'm like, oh, I hope he likes it. And I, I know he's going to tell me the truth and I hope he likes it because otherwise I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> But also, well, with you, Sherry and Julie, um, you you always send it with questions. Look at this. Can you see if this makes sense? You know, so I'm, I have those in the back of my mind as I'm reading it, um, which is helpful um, so that when other people ask me to read their stuff, I do tend to ask them now. I'm sort of like, is there anything in particular you want me to look out for? Um, if not, I just read it and let them know overall what I think. Yeah. Um, I remember Julie's first, um, not the first thing I read for her, but what ultimately became the first clock mystery. Mm -hmm. She had sent that to me and said, does it read like a book? Does it read like a cozy? Does the mystery make sense? Um, and I read it and I 
sent it back to her and I was all like, I love this, but I don't think it's a cozy. At the moment, it's a, it's a hard thriller, which I had no problem with. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. But I was like, if, if you're putting it in the cozy category, this is what you need to shift or what you should think about shifting or whatnot. I try to stay away from you need to do this. You, it's my opinion only. Yep. You know, I'm sure your editors will say something or whatever, but I read it that way. And I also, after you guys are done with it and it gets published, I then go get it again to see, well, because I'm collecting all the cozy, the Wicked's, I'm collecting all their books, so I need to have them in, you know, hard form. But also because I want to see what, if anything, changed, what shifted, which is sort of extra fun for me. Yeah. Revisit it. Yeah, to um, know you had a hand in it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there's that too, but... Um, it's just sort of fun to see the process of it to go from manuscript to, you know, in your hand. Yeah. And to be like, I know this person. Yeah. I still have that tingle when I pick up, you know, a book by someone I actually know. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Julie doesn't, Julie likes commas too much. Sherry doesn't like them enough. What's my biggest fault? Hit me. So I, so I look out for it before I send you the next book. I don't. With yours, they're, like, finished. Oh, <laughs> oh you're very kind. Well, no, but I, I mean, I said after we had brunch a couple months ago, I was telling Scott on the way home, I was like, I didn't know I was your first reader, and they're, like, finished products when I get them. I mean, you have very few comments from me. You have very few sort of take this comma out. It, it, they are, you know, fully formed. There's usually... One in you know one instance in each thing I've read for you where something was flip flopped or it, it, the the one that jumps out is the she left she left in Grandpa's truck and then got back into Grandma's car. Ah, uh, yeah, I was I'm famous like, for that. Hmm. <laughs> it's like that's interesting. I <laughs> so have... You only have one or two sort of. I mean, and Sherry and Julie only have one or two sort of glaring things. Um, but their, their comma usage or non-usage is what I fondly remember. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, um, I, I have a hard time with grandma and grandpa in the, in the cat cafe. So, you know, I wish I had been asking you to read way back when I first started that series, because one of my biggest faux pas that I still to this day hear about is from readers. I mean, is, um, I made a mistake. So when I was first creating the characters, I don't know, I guess I must've been going back and forth between two different last names for grandpa. So in the first book, his last name was the name that I eventually stuck with, but somehow in the second book, he ended up with this, with the other last name and nobody caught it. My editor didn't catch it. I didn't catch it. 50 million read through, you know, all, all of the people that touched the book did not catch it. Um, and then, you know, people, people still email me now and they're like, <laughs> did you know grandpa Leo has a different last name? And now I'm like, oh, if Jason had just been reading this, <laughs> I would not be getting these emails. <laughs> That's when the comment would have been, who is this? Yeah. <laughs> on the side going, is this supposed to be grandpa? Yeah. It's so fun. And I, like, I hate when I make a mistake. So I, I, like, I beat myself up to this day. I beat myself up over it. And that's actually, I think when I started, um, I had someone who was helping me, uh, keep book Bibles 
for the cat cafe series and for actually my, um, my witch series too. Cause I, I wasn't smart enough to do it on my first series. So Lord knows if I ever write another one of the positively organic books, I'm going to have to go back and read through them all to remember who the heck was in them and (laughs) what they looked like and all of that. But for the other two series, I got smart after that. And, um, I had someone help me put a book Bible together. And so now I can go back and, you know, look and see, oh yeah, this is their last name. And they do drive a blue truck, not a red Corvette. (laughs) So, yeah. So has, oh, go ahead. People, I was just going to say, don't beat yourself up. People are human. It, it, it happens. It's kind of reading a book and finding a, a boo-boo is, to me, like sitting and watching a play and watching an actor call for a line. Hmm. It makes it more human. Yeah. It's, it, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. It, no one's dead. In real life, at any rate. Well, in those books, a lot of people are dead, but oh, yes, but, you know, they're supposed to be. Um, but you know, it's like there's there's no art emergencies. Yeah. So if a mistake happens, it's human. It's 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 okay. It's not the end of the world. The book isn't ruined. It just you know it happens, and it's kind of fun to sort of find them. It's like going to a movie and finding the things that are anachronistic. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, someone, the editor didn't catch that. <laughs> it's sort of yeah, fun. blame the editor. Let's blame the editor. There we go. <laughs> well, thank you for that perspective. I love it. Um, so has doing this, though, made you look at books differently? Like even books that, you, you know, you haven't read first before they've been published? It's now, I, I do sort of read them with an eye to, why didn't anyone catch this? Mm-hmm. How did the, How did this get? Um, I've read some books recently where I'm sort of like, mm, who okayed this? Um, so I do sort of read everything now with sort of the eye of giving feedback, even if I have no one to give feedback to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm just a mental person anyway, so that's what I kind of do. But I, the easy thing about reading stuff to see if it's a book and reads as a book is... I sort of read it as a script. If, you know, whatever my in is to the story, whether it's a character or the location or situation or whatever, I I then sort of read it as if I were going to put this on stage. And so I hear it in my mind as I'm reading it, which sort of helps. Um, And when I get manuscripts, if there's parts that don't make sense to me, I'll actually read them out loud um, because sometimes that actually helps. Uh, to, for me to be able to go, oh, okay, it does actually make sense. Because w- sometimes I'll read quickly and I sort of gloss over something and go, wait, what the hell does that mean? So it helps to sort of sometimes read it out loud, which is what you do when you're rehearsing a show is you, you know, you read the script and you read it out loud to see if it, you know, has feet. So, yeah, no, that's great advice. And I've heard, I've heard writers say that, that they will, I, I don't do it and I probably should, but I've heard them say that they'll stop and, you know, read chapters out loud just to see if it's, what they intended it to sound like. Yeah. Well, because you get a different feel for it. Um, words can, words can look good on the page, but sometimes they sound funny. And I found that a lot of people have that internal voice when they read, mm-hmm. so even though it may not be out loud, they're hearing some voice, whether it's their own or the one they made up for the character in their head. And it may sound funny. So reading it out loud can be like sort of that impetus to, 
change a word or two or switch something around or whatever. Yep. So are cozies your preferred um, mystery at this point, or do you, are you just kind of a broad I mystery person? Anything. Although I do like cozies just because they are, it's like visiting friends. Yeah. Uh, and as corny as that sounds, you do get attached. If, you, if, you, if you're reading a cozy series and you like it, you get attached to the people in it. Um, it's like watching your favorite TV show. You want to know what happens to these people as they go along. You get attached to them. You, you, know, you get invested in it. It's easier to read cozies in, in sort of that way because it's, it's visiting old friends. Yeah. So it's, it's very comforting. Um, but I, I do read pretty much anything. I like biographies, autobiographies, thrillers, hardcore mystery, historical fiction, you know, not fond of the war stories or things set in the desert. So Westerns are not really my thing, but there are some that have surprised me. Yeah. And that's the, you know, the other fun thing about books is you never know. Totally. Totally. So we've been talking a lot on this podcast about community and, you know, just different ways um, writers find their community and, and how, what that looks like. And I'm wondering if, you know, being part of this community and the way that you've found this role has it expanded anything for you do you feel like you're kind of part of part of the group because we feel like you are so i'm just curious as to like what doors you feel like that may have opened for you as far as like finding a, a new group of people to to kind of have something in common with i do feel part of the you know i'm, I'm a junior wicked <laughs> that make me slightly evil um <laughs> And because I've, you know, sort of followed all of you um, and your newsletters and, you know, now I, 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 you know, look at the conferences that you guys are going to and I get, I do feel a, a part of that larger community because I, I'm, I've been exposed to it. I mean, just being exposed to it and I'm a naturally nosy person. So it's like, oh, who's going to be at... Um, you know, this conference, who's going to be at that conference? I've never heard of this author. Let me look at and see what they've written. Um, and because you guys feature on your your um, your newsletter, the um, lots of different authors. Yeah. Um, it's fun to discover something new and read something new. And, and then I get to, you know, sort of put it out there on Goodreads. And if it really tickles my fancy, I throw it up on Facebook. Um, so I do actually feel like a, a, a part of the, the cozy community and at large. And I mean, through Julie and, and I've, you know, met other people, um, Scott and I go to, uh, book signings now. It's, it's sort of something we've, we look for to do cause it's now fun, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's someone we know cause we've been to several of them or it's, you know, like we've, we've, I've been to all of Hank's. Hank Philippi Ryan's uh, book launches. We've got all of her books, but if she's actually helping someone launch a book and she's sort of interviewing them at a book signing, we'll go to that yeah. because we, you know, we know Hank, so we'll go see who this author is. And so we've, we, you know, we've sort of expanded our pool of people to read and get exposed to. So it's, it, you know. Yeah. And I think I've always said, you know, from the very first time that I walked into a crime bake unpublished, you know, really just wanting to be a writer, not knowing anybody. 
Um, and everyone was just so lovely and so welcoming. I think that's the best part about the mystery community is that people are so willing and eager to bring people into the fold. And it yeah. sounds like that's what you've experienced. And, and the readers too. Yeah. Um, there, there's a, there's on Facebook, there's a cozy book club, um, a once a month cozy book club. And I was part of it for a while. Um, I haven't participated in a while because my home computer is a mess and, um, and the, I'm just busy at the time that it's happening, but, um, they are rabid cozy fans and it is, it was so fun. It still is. I still follow them because they, they'll pick a theme that they want to go for and then ask everybody in the group to sort of make suggestions as to what they should read within that theme. And then everyone votes, but it's like these great discussions are happening about, you know, we should read this one because of this. Or this have you heard of this person? So I, I get this whole selection of people to try now because, uh, you know, people I've never met who are living on the other side of the country have read this person and really like this series. And it's like, Ooh, that interests me. I'll make a note of that and add it to the list. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we certainly appreciate you. I appreciate you. I am so thankful that you were willing to take my books on as a first reader because you've made them better. And, you know, you also give me that boost of confidence that what I'm turning in doesn't suck and my contracts aren't going to get canceled. So thank you for that. <laughs> and on behalf of, of the Wicked's, thank you for, and all of us writers, thank you for being a reader because we would be nothing without readers. So we love you. No, I love you guys. And I love reading books. So I'm more than happy to read a book, whether it's finished or in the process of getting finished. Awesome. Well, I'll, uh, I'll let you know when to expect my next cat cafe book. Cause it's, I'm working on it now. So okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. I had fun. So wasn't he fun? I really hope you enjoyed meeting Jason and hearing a little more about how we writers get our books done. Jason certainly become an integral part of my process now, and my books are definitely better for it. I have much more confidence when I turn them in. Um, I feel like if there had been a, a big mishap, I would know about it and have been able to fix it. And so it just makes me feel a lot better about them getting onto the shelves and into your hands. So I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. Send me a DM on Instagram at Liz McGavro and let me know or head on over to kateconti.com. You can send me a message through my website. And if you liked the podcast and you want to rate it or review it, I would love that. It would really mean the world to me to get this into more listeners ears. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.